Good morning. It's time, our message time, and today we're going to talk a little bit about love. We're going to talk a little bit about love. Now, what is love? What is love? You've probably run to some people, and they say all the time, I love it. They just say, I love it. And they say, they seem to love everything. And have you ever had someone say, or see something, and somebody says, oh, I just love you. And the other person looks back at them and say, and they turn their head a little bit, and the person responds, no, I don't mean that way. Because love has different connotations. But uh, um, I've been around, and people see a performance of something of maybe a, a show choir or something, and somebody will say, oh, I just loved you guys. And I'm thinking, okay. Um, so you, somebody might say, I love, and, and you're thinking a different love. And isn't that the case when in relationships, especially those young relationships between uh, boys and girls sometimes, they say, oh, I love you. And the guy goes, what? And she might mean it the way he thinks he means it. She might mean it different. But if the guy says, I love you, Man, he better be sure he meant what he's saying, because she's taking it to the other, the ultimate extreme. You know, you got to, it's that language of love, I guess, I don't know. But love, what is love? And so we kind of have to define it. And so where do we get the definition of what love is? We look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 13. You might have saw out on Facebook uh, or on uh, Instagram, you know, that we're telling people that they are loved, and we just want to let people know what love is. What is that about? Yes, God loves you. God does love you, and we are supposed to love each other. But what does that look like? What does that mean? And it actually is kind of hard, I think. And certainly we can't get it right unless we have God helping us. And we're going to consider today what love is. What love is. And no, I'm not going to sing What Does Love Have to Do With It. Is that, this, is that a song? Yeah. Love has everything to do with it. So let's just uh, make it straight. And we're going to find that out today as we turn in our scripture to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to apologize. You were online. My glasses broke while I was here. And so my glasses are going to either be crooked or fall off. So I don't want you to be distracted by that. But now some of you are going to be looking for it to fall off, right? You'll be cheering. Cheer for the glasses to stay on my face. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. Let's read this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. 
But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now by the faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now for some of you, you might remember uh, the King James translation, which said the word charity. Charity. And maybe that came from the old English of the time. But this word love that we're talking about here is more what you would think of of love. The word love that we're talking about through here has its linkages back to the definition of, we've talked about in the past, agape. Agape type love. Now there's different forms of it that it works through in this passage. But there are those aspects that are there. Now before we get into some of this, I want you to look at There's kind of like a sandwich. There's a sandwich here. We have verses 1 through 3, and then we have verses 8 through 12, and then we have what is love. And so we have the definition of love that is in the middle of the sandwich. But on the outside, we're kind of giving these contrasts. And so we start out in this first verse, it kind of talks about uh, some of this contrast. So let's look at look at those just a little bit. If we look at verses 1 through 3, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And at least one commentary when I was reading through there, it's the concept of even if, even if I spoke with the tongues of men and of angels, even if, I had the gift of prophecy and understood all mysteries and all knowledge, even if I knew everything and all the mysteries and knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. It's saying the primary focus is on the love. And then in contrast, we have in verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child and understood it as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then it continues. The point is, is even if I could do all these things, and even if I had all these talents, and even if I had these gifts, and even if I could speak in some angelic language, even if. Now some might take it to mean that We can, but as I read this and as I looked at another commentator, it's even if, because we don't know everything. We find that, right? We don't know everything. Scripture tells us we don't know everything, but even if we did and we didn't have love, it wouldn't matter. So even if we had all these things that you can imagine would be fantastic and we don't have love, we've got a problem. Love should be preeminent, should be out there. And so now let's look inside the sandwich. We've talked about 
the bounds here, but let's look inside of the sandwich. So let's look at verses 4 through 8a. It is quite a list. It is quite a list, and you maybe can relate to this. And when you think about this, and we talk about what, what love is and what love isn't, I want you to be careful that you don't become accusatory and become judgmental of other people and say, listen, you're not loving me good enough because the Bible says you're not supposed to this. And the Bible says you're not supposed to that. Versus looking at ourselves and saying, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? Remember the scripture that says, you know, you're trying to, you got to get the plank out of your own eye before you can get your speck out of your brother's eye. So be careful there. Let's talk about love. In verse 3, excuse me, verse 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. Now, I will tell you that most of what we're going to read today is hard for the preacher too. So just don't think I'm telling you things that I don't need to listen to. Love is, suffers long and is kind. I tell you what, that can be a hard one. Because the longer you're suffering, I don't know about you, but I don't find that the longer that I'm putting up with you, that's what that means, right? I'm going to put up with you. I'm going to suffer you a long time. And I'm going to be kind. I'm sorry, but I, my tendency is, my tendency is, and God needs to help me, I suspect he might need to help you too, is the longer I put up with you, I don't necessarily get kinder. That's not usually. It's usually the longer I'm putting up with you, the less kind I'm getting, especially if I'm hungry. Have you ever been hangry? I get hangry. I get hangry. I don't always have a Snickers bar, but I need to get something in me. Sometimes I get hangry, but love suffers long and is kind. Oh, my. Isn't that a hard one? But that's what love is. That's what love is. Have you also noticed, too, that sometimes you suffer longer with the people that aren't in your family, and you'll put up with them longer than you will the people in your family? You ever... You ever be guilty of taking things out on your family. You go to work, you're dealing with people and things all day long, and then, then you come home and you've suffered long and been kind to them, but then when you get home, man, any little thing, and you're ready to jump on somebody. They didn't even do much. It's not their fault. They didn't put all that negative stuff in that baggage in your load for the day. All they did is say hi, and it's like, you didn't say hello. You, should, you told me hi. I expect you to say hello. Bam! Well, you have to really be guarding with the family. And it's a hard thing to do. It wasn't even their fault. But being long-suffering and kind really is hard when you, the person tells you that you need to be long-suffering and kind. You know what I mean? I tell you, hey, you need to be long-suffering and kind. Well, you're supposed to be long-suffering and kind about me telling you to be long-suffering and kind. Isn't that a hard thing? Isn't that a hard thing? So... It's the things that we need God to help us with and to mature us and how we walk through our life and not let things get stacked up all day long so that we unload on our family when we get home. And of course, sometimes it means when you get home that maybe, maybe the person that just got home, you need to not unload on them and tell them all about your issues of the day. Give them a little bit of, give them a little bit of time to catch up. Just give them a little bit of time to catch up. But it's long-suffering and is kind. Love does not envy. Wow. 
Are you happy when the other person does well? Are you happy with, it might be family, it might be siblings, it might be husband, it might be wife, it might, are you happy when they do well, or you're like, that should have been me? That should have been me. Hmm, it's a hard thing, this love, this love stuff. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. There you go, hey, look at me, how well I did. I know you had trouble. I know you had trouble doing this, but look at me. I, I'm really good at this. Of course, teenage kids can have this problem too. It's like, oh, I know you're struggling in math, but look, I am a fantastic in math. So that's our opportunity as parents to teach them what love is and to maybe not have everybody stand up in front of the entire group of family and tell them what their grades are, but Are you happy when your coworker gets that promotion that maybe you should have got? Boy, that's a hard one too, isn't it? That's a hard one too. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. We need to kind of be humble and we need to consider what our, what, what, how we're affecting other people. And we need to consider that when they come in with every situation, you don't know why, what their drive-in was like. You don't know what issues they're having at home. You don't know what their health issues are. We need to love them past that. Because they may not want to tell it. You might say, well, if they would have told me. You ever have that hurt or that difficulty? You don't really want to talk about. You really don't want someone to know. You're just hoping somebody cares. And so we've got to show that love because we don't know what they're dealing with. We don't know what kind of day they've had. We don't know what's going on. Does not behave rudely. Well, that's a good one. I know when we're running into people during Christmas time, that sometimes the, the rudeness goes uh, elevate, elevates, and that would be good. It'd be good as, as Christians, too, that we don't behave rudely. You know, courteous and graciousness and kindness and, and all those things are all good. So I think that one's pretty self-evident that we don't want to behave rudely. Does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Oh, wow. That's, those are hard ones. That we have a little bit thicker skin, that we can take some things a little bit longer. Those are hard ones. Those are hard ones. And so as we're reminded what love is, uh, as we hear some of these challenges, and, and uh, I know several of them I need to do better on, and I need God's help to do better on. But as we think about what love is, and we can kind of improve on it, is we kind of need to give each other some space and some room. And that can be hard. That can be hard. You know, here in the church, we're moving into a new space, and we're trying to get things working out. And, and any transition and changes add stress, and it makes things hard. But we've advertised and we've sent out there that we do love people, and we do love people, and we are concerned about people, and God can help us to love each other, but God gives his love to us, and he shares his love for us. And as we come into this Easter season, we think about, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. He let him. But Jesus humbled himself and came in the limits of a man. And suffered for us. 
does not, thinks no evil. Wow. It means about, you know, how you're looking at the other person. It's considering the other person. I know some people burn us multiple times, and we have to kind of protect against that. But it's just that graciousness to to give people a chance. Uh, Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. We want the truth to come forward. We don't want evil to prevail. We don't want the lies to prevail. We want truth to come forward. Even if it doesn't put us in the best light, we want to deal with the truth. Deal with the truth. I use these family uh, illustrations because sometimes it talks about, as we go in that passage, it talks about, hey, you need to grow up, right? If you think about little kids and if you've been a parent or or uh, about to be a parent, one of the things you'll find is that, that young children, they're kind of disappointed when their siblings don't get whippings for things that they did. Can you see how some of those activities happen? Can you see where they're trying to get their sibling in trouble so that they get a whipping? Or they want to make sure and go tell them so that they feel like they're treated fairly? It's those kinds of challenges that you walk through, and it is hard If the other person is being rude and unkindly and flaunting themselves about, see, I didn't get in trouble. I know you did, but I didn't get in trouble. But Lord, help us to mature things forward. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Wow. Bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Some of you are grandparents, and grandparents are those types that they hope the best for their grandchildren. And grandparents, even to a fault, is almost anything that child does is okay. Whereas if you're the parent, and if the grandparents had been the... (laughs) The grandparents laugh at things that as parents you can't laugh at. And the grandparents, they're okay with things that as parents you can't be okay with. And as grandparents, they wouldn't have been okay with when they were younger either. But grandparents have this, this love of tolerance in many times. Some grandparents. But it's, it's, I'm not saying it's just like a grandparent's kind of love, but you get the idea. Sometimes a grandparent has a little bit more patience. Sometimes they can go a little bit farther. Sometimes they might not have enough energy to sustain that patience for a long time um, because they don't have toddlers under feet all the time. But it's this kind of love that we're looking out for the best for the other person, right? We're loving in the way that we would want somebody else to love us. We know we need to be held accountable, but we just need that second chance once in a while. We just need somebody to care about us once in a while. We need somebody to ask about us once in a while. We need somebody to just be there once in a while. Not to trip me up or not want me to trip up or not try to be getting in the way. Not try to make me have a hard day. And I just need to think that, you know, they're probably not trying to do what they're trying to do. I know there's a balance. There's some people that you got to protect against. But maybe... We have to 
err on the side of love. And more love than, than less. Today, there's a lot of accusing. There's a lot of canceling. And I think we have an opportunity as a church and as Christians to, to, to share the love of God and to share the forgiveness that's out there. Because in the culture today, even if you did it 20 years ago and you're sorry, it was a mistake, they may not let you off the hook. But God has forgiveness for you. So as we conclude the message, or we go to the, the, this last section of the message, I'd like for us to turn to John chapter 15, 9 through 13. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. This is Jesus talking. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. What does that mean? Abide in my love. So God loves us, but we want to abide in his love. God loves us, but we want to abide in his love. I want you to think about that. If we want to, if we want all the benefits of his love, we need to abide in his love. He loves us, but are we abiding in his love? Do we get all the benefits of his love if we're not abiding? He extends his love to us, but what's our response? Are we abiding in his love? As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. If we want the fullness of the joy that God can provide for us, we need to abide in his love. We need to keep his commandments. I want you to, to think about that just for a minute. Maybe you remember the illustration I've shared for you. That if I'm on a safari and I'm out where there's lions and tigers and bears. Okay, you, you get the rest of it. Bears, oh my, right? If I'm out there and there's all these dangerous animals. And there's a fence put up that says... And the sign says, don't leave the compound. And you say, I'm free to do what I want. So is that fence a restriction or is that fence protection? God tells us some things to do and don't. Some and many are for our own protection. If you look into the Old Testament and some of the, the Levitical law they had on how to deal with disease and some of the eating habits they had and were required to do some of for their protection. But we abide in his love. We allow him to protect us. I mean, there is obedience through the Lord. How can he be your Lord if you disobey him and continue to do so? But abide in his love. It's like abiding in that compound, getting the full benefits and there, in his guidance, is where we can 
have joy. An inner joy, it might not be the jump around happy all the time, but there's this inner core, this joy, this peace. All right, let me get back to my reading. Verse 9 again, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Do you love God? Do you love others? We know that's the command that we're supposed to have. Today, we've talked a little bit. We probably could do a whole series over a month or so of all those different aspects of what love is. It's a challenge. But let us be reminded, as we show love to others, that our source of love comes from God and that we want to abide in His love by following His commandments one of which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that you'd be with each one. I pray that you would help us to just be obedient to you. Help us to hear your voice. And Lord, as we're understanding what it means to love others, Maybe we're understanding what it means to love you. Or maybe understanding how your love comes towards us. Lord, help us to work within the right definition. Help us to mature in our love one for another. Maybe we practice it in our homes. Maybe we practice it in our workplaces. Maybe we practice it because we work in places where we have to deal with the public all the time. And it's a hard thing to keep the right balance. And Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance, but help us to keep that love part in the premiere and say, okay, Lord, is my attitude right? Am I treating them right? That was a little rude. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And Lord, I know that you'll point out and chastise us from time to time, but help us to be willing to improve, willing to take the chastisement, and willing to look to you to help us and not just say, oh, well, that's the way I was born. Help us. Lord, to surrender to you, may you renew our minds and help us to good, have a good attitude to one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're...